Welcome to the IT Career Energizer podcast. For anyone who wants to build and grow a career in IT, develop and improve your strengths and skills, be inspired and motivated by the successes of others, manage your career progression, and achieve your IT career goals. And now, your host, Phil Burgess. Welcome to episode 273 of the IT Career Energizer podcast. My guest on today's show is a partner and the chief solutions architect at ZipTech, a software development company focused on helping businesses build custom software. He has spent the better part of his career in consulting, covering a diverse range of industries, including finance, oil and gas, and healthcare. He now helps companies to solve their core business objectives with agile software development. So welcome to the IT Career Energizer podcast, Ian Reynolds. Hey, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Ian, obviously that's very much a snapshot view of your career. Could you maybe give us a bit of an insight into your your background and what you're up to now? Sure. So my undergraduate education is in the humanities, in particular liberal arts, and Really, just a broad spectrum of a little bit of everything, and I think I think that's a, a tremendously valuable education, especially in the modern world. And in the sort of end, tail end of college, started a small business, really recognized like, wow, I can create things from scratch, and people will pay for them, and uh, yep. you know, it's it's a real thing. Uh, and uh, so, jumped into a bunch of startups, did that for uh, help launch like eight different products to market. Really quickly realized like, wow, this is this is fun. I, I like business. Whereas pr- previously, I was exploring somewhat of an academic track. Then, uh, after you know, kind of living under my desk, so to speak, went with the MBA to a traditional consulting role where I had the opportunity to you know help really large enterprise firms deploy really large systems and uh, maintain those systems, et cetera, uh, and then move into uh, the sort of transactional finance side where I had the opportunity to do. About 15 billion in M&A restructuring advisory across a number of projects, uh, some A&D work as well, and really saw, I guess, kind of, uh, as you will, the the sort of top of the cap- capital stack and you yep. know how these huge mega deals were done. And that was really pretty fascinating, getting to parachute into some of these companies and solve big problems. And while I enjoyed that, I ultimately wanted to get back to my own thing. And real, more importantly, apply some of the stuff that I was learning uh, in uh, sort of this uh, consulting restructuring M&A environment and make sure that it was real and not uh, 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 too academic, so to speak. Uh, so I acquired a business in 2017 uh, and have we have grown that business and, and uh, it's been a lot of fun and uh, helping folks, uh, again, solve their problems with uh, software. Right. Okay. So an acquisition, which is a bit of a different approach to, to the way some people start. Yeah, very much so, and and I think the reason for that is that this thing had been established for for ten years and uh, you know ten years prior to me, and I viewed it as well. I, you know, I'm starting with a bigger capital base, so there's more I'm going to be able to do in terms of being able to help people. And so I, I took the perspective of rather than start something from scratch, which uh, will grow, you know, like a seed into a big tree over a period of time. Uh, you know, sort of why waste the time when the uh, the tree is still sort of getting its roots into the ground? Let's let's go with something that's uh, ready to be pruned up. Yes. So j- just on that, it's just interesting to know, are you focusing on what the original scope of the company was when you when you acquired it or are you expanding its remit? B- both, yes and no. Uh, so right. the, structurally, uh, the, the company 
had, you know, sort of very good uh, potting, so to speak, uh, if we're sort of referring to the plant analogy, and um, just needed a few things in terms of how it was professionalized. Uh, So I had to put in an HR department, put in a marketing department, put in a a better sales department, uh, start doing training. So now we do uh, training every Fridays uh, with uh, our engineers, our project managers, and senior staff, um, and uh, some other, other things. And that effort took uh, a couple years and it was just kind of tackle one problem at a time. Um, but what it allowed us to do is just do what we were doing and focus on that and focus on just doing it better. Now, as a result of those efforts, we were able to stand up our labs group, which allowed us to explore certain technologies. We've moved into building some of our own SaaS products uh, that really just kind of solve some of our needs. So for example, we were paying for Salesforce, we were paying for uh, all these dialers and all these other tools. And we decided, well, you know, for the cost of our license to Salesforce, we can basically write our own tool pretty quickly and use it with our bench time and, uh, and sort of solve that problem. So we're sort of eliminating costs uh, while building some of our own tools and dabbling with other things. Great. Okay, well, that's really interesting to hear about, definitely. Right, Ian, can you share with us a career tip, one that the audience may not be aware of and perhaps should be? Yeah, I think I think the biggest career tip that I am, frankly, re-exploring, this is something I sort of knew, then forgot, then rediscovered, is you have to constantly read. And by constantly read, I mean you need to have a list of books that you need to tackle. If you look at the most successful people from a uh, sort of pure statistical standpoint, they're reading on average about 22 books a year. Uh, in terms of uh, the wealthiest, let's just talk about wealthiest Americans. The wealthiest Americans are on average reading about 22 books a year. And that tells me that, well, okay, then I need to double up. I'm going to go to get the the sort of 50, 50 plus uh, books a year. And you can read a little bit, five, six, seven, eight books, and you will recognize that there's a lot of information that you just didn't know you didn't know. And uh, yes. so um, I think that's that's single-handedly the, 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 the best tip that I can think of in the near term because uh, you, you really are, are not doing yourself a service if you're not constantly learning. Right. So do you have a sort of a diverse set of books um, that you read? So not specifically necessarily IT books? It, very much so. So I have a spreadsheet that I keep and it's, it's, it's just my to-do list basically. And it's bigger yep. to-do items. And in that list, I have a list of, I hear a book or hear a title and I'll have a list and I prioritize by high, medium, low in terms of interest. And I'll just put it in that list and I'll just pick something out that seems interesting yep. and just, just go through it. So um, variety of things. So I've read things from everything from uh, uh, Stephen Hawking recently to a little, actually a little bit of sci-fi. So been kind of in the space realm. Uh, I've done some autobiographies. So Richard Branson's autobiography was last week and just just all over the map in terms of what I'm getting. I, I was rereading some uh, uh, Tom Sawyer, Huckleberry Finn, you know, just oh, yes. <laughs> uh, get, a, get, a, get a little bit of everything. And uh, But the idea is consistency. And if I'm doing it uh, aggressively uh, and very intentionally, then I'm going to get through a lot. And I, that has paid dividends like you would not believe. Yeah, good. Okay. Um, Ian, can you tell us about your worst career moments and what you learned from that experience? Probably... Worst career moment was one of my first jobs out of college. And first I was interning, then I was a, then I was a paid intern, uh, then I was sort of hired on. And 
there was a employee who very, very otherwise, you know, very nice person and, um, you know, was having some behavioral problems and was kind of like taking that out on the office staff. And I just felt like, I, oh man, I can't handle this. So I just sort of turned in my resignation. And I don't think that was the right thing to do actually, in terms of, uh, kind of backing down from the situation. I think I should have, um, uh, really uh, sort of said, hey, you know, how do we how do we solve this within the business context uh, and move and move past it and, and sort of deal with these problems? But again, like, it's like, man, just getting out of getting out of school and doing all these different startups and these things, like seeing that, I was like, is this really, is this really how the world is, you know? Uh, and uh, so I think that was, you know, the the, the biggest uh, challenge so far. And, and so um, despite, you know, having acquired companies and, and doing all this other stuff, um, that was probably probably the biggest mistake was I think uh, uh, being scared is, is how to put it. Yeah. So in terms of how you deal with those situations now, are you able to sort of sort of take a step back if you like and try and evaluate the situation before making those sorts of decisions? Very much so. Right. You, you're you've got to really separate uh, in business. You've got to separate some degree of the the emotion with uh, the rationality. Yeah. Right. So. I mean, you could start, like, you, you could take a really sort of wide angle lens and uh, say, well, you know, um, compared to everything else that uh, could happen um, and, uh, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the grander scheme of the universe, if you will, right, it's really pretty insignificant. You know, one person getting upset or a business folding or uh, a, a bankruptcy or, or whatever, Um in the grand scheme of things, you know, no one, can, no, what no one can take away from you is the information you accumulate, the experience you accumulate, uh, and uh, failure is not failure unless you fail to learn from it. Yes, I mean that that is a good point and one that that is often mentioned. So I think you're absolutely right. Um, as long as you can take something away from from a, an activity or an action or you know an outcome, it doesn't matter whether it's a failure. Um, there's always something positive that you can take from it. Right. Yeah. Okay. Ian, can you tell us about your career highlight to date? Yeah, I think I think my career highlights to date have been that. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll just kind of again walk through that trajectory of went from various startups to uh, you know super high powered consulting to acquiring own business and not like nothing within my education. Even so, I do have the MBA, but. I would still credit my undergraduate education with that. And the, the point is that you don't really need to have a traditional career, I think, in the modern era. You can really go learn and do anything that you really want to do. You simply have to apply time and energy to learning that thing, and then you can just jump in. No, it was just I was just thinking the same the same thing. It's about being deliberate, as you said earlier, actually, about when you when you're reading books, um, but having that sort of positive view and mindset about doing something. I think it's about being deliberate about it. Right, right. And so within my career, obviously, I think the highlight so far has been the acquisition and the, the growth of this company and um, the, the the success we've achieved in terms of what what we've accomplished and in terms of improving improving the business, but. I don't think that is the end all be all. And I hope to accomplish many more great things with the same process, which is, you know, it's like, yeah, could I do that? Sure. All right. Let me just jump into it. Yeah. Okay. Um, Ian, can you tell us what excites you about the future of the IT industry and careers in IT? 
IT is going to continue to disrupt the world as we know it. We, we really are at the beginning of the Stone Age as it relates to what it is that we can do with available horsepower, uh, what we can do as it relates to uh, sort of these, these programming interfaces that are, that are uh, increasingly uh, consumable on the mobile device. So as we're running around, um, so you can think just logistically, uh, we're, everybody's kind of talking about AI and, uh, you know, we're, we're 10 years out from sort of any real substantial movement in AI, but it's going to, it's going to radically transform the way that we live. And I think that for the people who have the vision and ability to go into that arena and transform just every, everyday things from text messages to, uh, you know, receiving mail, um, the, the, the changes are, are just going to abound for the next 10, 20, 30, 50 years. And we're, we're only getting started. Yes. I think you're right. I mean, yeah, if you compare it with any other sort of industry, really, we are, we are so, so early in terms of the maturity of this particular industry. I also want to sort of go back to your comment earlier about the fact that you do read sci-fi books as well. So presumably there are things that you read about, you think, oh, well, that may be something that could actually happen in the near future. Right. So I think, I think an important idea is actually in Isaac Asimov's, uh, I think it's iRobot. And and if you you kind of go through that, there's sort of a a visual progression of uh, the improvement of technology. And we're, we're going through that era right now. Uh, um, In in that case, it's sort of these physical devices, these Android robots, as they become more sophisticated. Well, we're, the tools we're using on a day-to-day basis are becoming more sophisticated and sort of the same parallels. But at the end of the book, um, effectively, you have a computer that is able to make a computer better than itself or better than people are able to create. And you get this self-generative technology. Well, if you look at capitalism, you look at economics generally, it is a set of ideas just crashing against each other with the best ideas winning out. And if technology is going to accelerate our ability to create new things, which it is, and the cost of creating those things is going to come down because uh, they're not capital intensive projects, which they are, then we will eventually be able to get to a point where we're able to create new things by having these things create themselves. And I think that's, that's, that's probably like the highest end uh, sort of sci- sci-fi idea uh, I think you can you can talk about, but um, uh, you know I, I think you know we're we're, we're moving towards uh, a much better and equitable society because we're create human beings are great at creating tools, we're, and we're just going to create better and better tools, uh, and uh, everybody's just going to live better. Yep, it will be interesting. I don't know whether it will be within our lifetime, but I'm sure the the advances will be coming definitely. Okay, we're going to go into the reveal round now. We're going to find out a little bit more about you and the way you think. Are you ready for this? Let's go for it. So what first attracted you to a career in IT? I think it's just what we're talking about. The the, the change in the world is so rapid and so available that you, you want to see new things. You want to be on the, the bleeding edge of those things and you want to help. And what is the best career advice you've ever received? Don't be afraid to try new things. Yeah. I think you're definitely right there. Um, slightly harder, possibly. What is the worst career advice you've ever received? Probably uh, 
don't stick out, you know, don't, don't, uh, put your leg out there in terms of, uh, uh, you know, raising your opinion, right. Fall in line. Yep. So do you, do you apply that within your company as well? Yeah. I mean, we try to keep the organization very flat and we, we really do look at, uh, our, you know, you, you typically you say you have this role of employee, but you really just look at them as a peer. And I mean, I sit in the, I sit in the middle of the floor of the office because I don't want people to think that, uh, my role is more important than what it is that everyone else is doing. I sit, that's why I sit in the middle of the office. I don't have, I don't have a formal office per se. If you were to begin your career again in today's world, what would you do? I would probably, all else, all else being equal, try to figure out how to uh, get into business acquisition earlier. Yep. And what career objectives are you currently focusing on? Currently, I think it's it's actually expanding uh, knowledge of particular subjects. So, in this case, it's it's some banking, legal, and finance items, and, and just kind of understanding how a certain component of the capital market works. And I think once once I sort of fully understand that, I'm either going to say, okay, well, that was interesting. Let me go learn something else, or I'm going to try to do something within that arena. What's the number one non-technical skill that has helped you in your career so far? Focusing on skills that inhibit, or sorry, not inhibit, enhance emotional intelligence. So emotional intelligence is something that can be improved upon. And I think you can you can read about and improve those things. And uh, I came from someone who was very much an introvert, but I can be an extrovert when I need to be. Yes. And what do you do to keep your own career energized? I think I, I dialogue with family and friends and kind of get perspective. I, I try not to compare myself to people because I think Obviously, I haven't lived their experience. They haven't lived my experience. And comparisons are unhelpful. But talking with people about what they're doing and why they're doing it and ask them questions about what do you think I should do has been probably the most helpful thing to keep my career energized. And what do you do in your spare time away from technology? Reading. I mean, just like we talked about, I'm just just aggressive reading. Good. Okay. Um, Ian, can you share with us a parting piece of career advice? I think that the parting piece of career advice that I would leave is don't compare yourself to others, compare yourself to yourself and push yourself to see what it is that you can do. Yeah. Great. Ian, what's the best way we can find out more about you and connect with you? Yeah. Best way to, best way to find out about me is uh, check out the ZipTech site, www.zibtek.com. We have a bunch of articles there, blogs, et cetera some of my writings, uh, but then uh, connecting with us, email hello at zibtech.com and I see and respond to those. Great. Excellent. Ian, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's been great chatting with you. Hey, it's been great to be here. Hi, Phil here again. Now, if you thought about being a guest on the show yourself, or you have somebody in mind that might be a good guest, please do let me know. You can reach me on Twitter, where I'm at PhilTechCareer, or you can find me on LinkedIn, or you can even contact me through the website, which is itcareerenergizer.com. Thanks again for listening, and have a great week. Thanks for listening to the IT Career Energizer podcast. To find out more about building a successful career in IT, visit itcareerenergizer.com.